Welcome back, everyone, to I Loved This Conversation, the podcast hosted by me, Alex Salzberg. I'm an animator and artist and writer. I'm recording this at my desk in Boston. Today's guest is Julia Mark, who's an incredible singer, songwriter, pianist, and someone that I'm a really big fan of. I listen to Julia's music all the time. This is the fifth episode, which feels like kind of a milestone. I know that in podcast time, this, this is still one of the uh, the early episodes with luck, if I keep going with this. But uh, it feels like a big deal to me. I've been working on this for a while, and having five episodes out really makes it feel real. Like, this is a, a real thing that's out there. If this is your first episode, welcome. After you listen to this one, you should definitely binge the others. There's some amazing conversations. We touch on everything from animation to mental health to body image. And I think you'll really enjoy having those conversations shared with you. In today's conversation with Julia Mark, we talk about her songwriting process, keeping track of ideas, being really specific and personal in our art and in our writing, and how audiences respond to being that specific, how they tend to relate to it. We also touch on some uh, I love this conversation greatest hits like social media, mental health, nostalgia for earlier times in our careers. Can you ha- can you have greatest hits in a fifth episode? I think you I think we can. Recorded this back in May through Zoom. I was in Tel Aviv at the time and Julia is in the Seattle area. It's the second to last episode that I recorded before episodes of this podcast started being released. So it's actually from back, I think when we still didn't know what the podcast was called. Oh, also, Julia's new album, Keeping You, is out this Friday, September 23rd, on Bandcamp and streaming. It's great timing. It makes me feel like one of those cool podcasts that someone would come on to promote their current project or like a cool late-night show. At the end of the episode, we'll give you a little taste of the album, and I really hope you listen because I am, as you'll hear in this episode, such a huge fan of Julia. Anyway, let's meet our guest and hear about her connection to me. My name is Julia Mark, uh, she, her, and I met you at some point through our mutual friend, Joanna Schubert, aka Or Pendula. But right. I don't really remember where, when, it's probably was in New York City. Is that possible? Or would it have been in Boston? I think it was in Boston or Somerville. Um, it was definitely... I've met you either once or twice, (laughs) and the one or two times was definitely you were playing with Joanna. I actually don't know that much about you, except that I think you lived in Boston at one time. I'm 90% sure, but that may just be because I saw you play in Boston, which may have been New York. (laughs) Yeah, clearly our our interactions were super memorable. We just... Yeah, I lived in Boston for a long time. And you went out to Seattle, right? Yeah, yeah. Just We just got to Vashon Island, which is like a little place very close to Seattle, about a 20-minute ferry ride from oh, cool. Seattle. So not in the city. It's very green. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to open with a big question. What is something you are going through in your creative life and or where your creative life overlaps with like the rest of your life. It could be a problem you're trying to solve, a decision you're trying to make, or just something like you're thinking about or feeling weird about. Whoa, that is a big question. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think there's sort of two things that are converging 
So two concepts that I'm trying to integrate into my life as a general human and then life as a artist. One of them is slowing down. I'm a very like fidgety, distractible person. <laughs> um, and I also usually run a lot, but right now I have a, a minor injury, but I haven't been able to run for a while. And so I'm not doing my normal, like literally running fast or moving quickly through the world. And I'm not, I, I don't know. I just have a lot of excess energy <laughs> and I'm trying to like sit with that and just be like, it's okay to move slowly through things and to think about, like, feel like there's time, not feel like there's pressure to make something immediately or get it right the first time to just kind of step back and be like, here's where I'm at. I don't know how long it's going to take. That's okay. So this sort of embracing slowness and process and the unknown is definitely a big theme. And then I think kind of parallel to that, if I can keep my train of thought here, is like not having everything have to be so precious all the time. And I think that kind of ties into the slowness of like not having that anxiety of like, I have to make this right the first time. I have to like every time I song write, I have to write a song that I love. Mm. Um, or every, you know, even just moving through the day, it's like every day has to be the most productive and the, and the best. It's like, no, some days can be kind of crappy. That's fine too. Man, I relate to, to like so many pieces of that. Just this week have been dealing with, I, I guess an injury. I have a re like recurring back mm. and neck issues. It doesn't really stop me from drawing, although it makes it kind of suck. Yeah. Um, but it's just this like energy drain. And this week, I've been struggling with, I think, some of those same feelings of like part of me wants to slow down to like recover. And then part of me is like upset that I have to slow down. Yeah. I, I can be also, I think, really all or none about what a day is. I don't know if you relate to it. It's like if it's the morning and I'm having a bad morning, my brain is like, well, today's a bad day without keeping in mind that. There's, you know, potentially like another 10 right. hours that I'm going to be awake. Yeah, it's never too late to restart your day. When you feel that pressure to create, is it the pressure to create new things, the pressure to work on current projects? It changes, but sometimes I just feel less inspired. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like, oh, no, I'm uninspired and I'm an artist and I'm supposed to be inspired and <laughs> I don't feel like working on my art today or I don't have anything that I'm really excited about in this particular moment. I will probably be excited about it as soon as tomorrow or as soon as yeah. an hour from now. But I think that sort of panic of, oh no, am I taking advantage of all of my artistic energy at all times? This makes me want to like jump into your songwriting process um so well first of all i'm like a huge fan of your music oh, you may you. or may not know that i think everyone's different i really get drawn into music by lyrics that's like what i latch onto first mm -hmm. i think for some people it's the opposite but if there's a, a a song that has just like even one line that i i pick out and like i'll like listen to that song over and over i'll look forward to that line i want to like hear the path of a song i'm, I'm so curious like what's the first Thing that happens. Yeah. Um, I think it does vary a lot, partly because I am usually writing in an unstructured way that's kind of floaty. I'm like, oh, 
20 minutes this day and then an hour this other day. I definitely do spend a lot of time on lyrics, so I appreciate your appreciation of them. A lot of times I think my songs start from a pretty vague place. It's kind of open-ended. Like a lot of times the the first lyric of a song that I write is something that could go in a lot of different directions, or I may not even know exactly what it's going to be about. Like it could be about a couple different things. And then I sort of just see where that thread goes. I would say I sometimes start with a musical idea, a chord progression I like or something like that. But it's really hard for me to get past a certain point if I don't know what I'm writing about. Like at a certain point in the songwriting process, I sort of need to sit down and just work on the mm -hmm. lyrics and know like, okay, here's the chorus. Here's what the bridge is going to be about. Um, this is where I want it to end up mood wise. And then that informs the music. Right. So it's a little bit of like back and forth conversation between the music and the lyrics. But at some point, the lyrics kind of need to take over and and guide the rest of the musical part of it. This podcast, it's going to be like Song Exploder. If the person <laughs> asking the questions knows nothing about music. But uh, if, when you start with the, the small, it sounds like moments of lyrics, these maybe lines or words, what makes you like look at something you wrote down and be like, oh, that that's a moment that I want to put in hmm. a song? Sometimes it is a word that I like. <laughs> I just like the sound of it. Yeah. Or it's an interesting concept that I want to write about. Um, like, so one example is the Purkinje shift, which is when your eyes adjust from using their cones to rods at night and things kind of get purpley and ah. it's like this very surreal twilighty sort of time. And I've always wanted to write a song about that. So I, that word was what drew me into the song was like, okay, I need to figure out like, what is this a metaphor? for <laughs> and yeah. how can I use this phrase and also am I even pronouncing it right which I'm still not entirely sure but um, <laughs> I'm really actually relating to your writing process in that um, I write you know scripts mm -hmm. for cartoons or, or short films and um, almost everything I've written also starts with these little moments that I don't know even necessarily what kind of story they're going to go into it could just be like a human moment like something that might happen at the grocery store or something that happens. Sometimes they're funny, but also sometimes it's just something I can visualize. So I really kind of relate to this sort of like starting with these moments that we're interested in. Do you keep track of those moments when you're out and about? Or when you sit down, You do you like just sort of think back about, oh, here are some moments I could, I could make into a cartoon or a storyline? I used to be really neurotic about keeping track of those things. So when I was in like, even like high school and college, I always carried around a little notebook. I think that's just like what I read that like other writers and even like comedians and people did. So I was like, oh, I'm cool. I have my little idea notebook. And I was so terrified of forgetting an idea. Some of it might've been an ego thing of like, well, every idea I have is so amazing and quirky and beautiful, but, um, I was so terrified, so I really wrote everything down. I always had that notebook with me. I would like get really stressed if I thought of an idea or like thought I, or if even if I thought I like dreamed a good idea and then like didn't remember in the morning. Um, 
and I'd get so neurotic. And then I don't, I actually don't know what shifted, but I kind of have this attitude now of like, if I'm near a notebook or if I have a moment to jot something down on my phone, I will. But I kind of have this attitude of, you know what? If this idea is sticky, it's going to like come back around. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I'm not sure like where you fall on that, but that's that's been sort of my journey. And I, I don't know, I probably forget more ideas, but I also don't really miss them. Right. It's funny to me when I wake up in the middle of the night, which doesn't usually happen. I actually sleep pretty solidly, <laughs> but sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is a great song idea. And I'll like lean over and like type it into my phone really sloppily. Mm -hmm. And then I'll wake up in the morning and read it. And it is total trash or makes no sense. And I'm like, yeah. oh, in the moment I thought this was this something so amazing. And then it actually was not. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it kind of comes back to the idea of like, not everything has to be the most precious thing. And like you said, if it's really something that is intriguing to you, it'll probably come back around. This is going to maybe sound weird, but I have like a weird jealousy of, of the songwriters and musicians um, in my life. I feel like, and I know I'm probably wrong, but I feel like um, songwriters have this like really direct way to transform life experiences and emotions into art. Not that it's easier than what I do, but I have this like <laughs> vision that if I were a songwriter, I could say like, get my heart broken and then like immediately like channel that anger or sadness or both into like an angry or sad song that is like exactly about that moment. I always compare that to what I do, which is like, oh, maybe a few years later, I'll create a character that kind of metaphorically <laughs> feels this way, but he's an alien or something, you know? And so I guess what I'm asking is like, how right <laughs> or wrong am I to be jealous of, of songwriters? It's probably a grass yeah. is greener thing, but I'm, I'm just curious about that. Well, that, that. Is, a, that is an interesting observation because I definitely, there are times when I'll want to write about something or react to something in my world. And there is a way that like, songs are you know typically just a couple minutes long or they can be shorter even they can be like one or two minutes just a little idea yeah and you can kind of convey a feeling musically or lyrically in a pretty short amount of time and so in my mind i'm like sometimes it's easier to write a song about something than it is to try to write a few pages about it even i i know what you're saying about it captures a lot in a small amount of, in a small package. But sometimes I feel like I can't capture everything in the lyrics or I'm going to say too much or it's going to be too dense. So um, there's also something to be said for being able to like draw something <laughs> and convey something into like a single, you know, 2D black and white image, for example, that like you could just like have. I think everybody has their strength or their little superpower in there. Art musicians, including yourself, perhaps will do sometimes write songs as a character or, or in a character's voice. But generally, I think we understand as an audience, we're like, oh, the person singing this means this mm -hmm. and it's about them. Whereas like I have the advantage of I can take something that I think and like have a frog say it and no one's going to necessarily think that that represents my whole opinion on the topic or my yeah. whole feeling. You know, um, so yeah, is it vulnerable to know that like most of your lyrics are being sort of visualized um, coming from you 
Julia Mark as yeah, a person. Yeah, I think especially for my my catalog of songs, I haven't really written many or any songs that aren't about my life. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't, you know, some people do have the character song or a song yeah. about somebody else or some other thing they're witnessing. But yeah, they tend to be pretty personal. <laughs> I used to write more vaguely. And then I had some songs that were very specific, so specifically about my, like my life, like including people's names or mm. specific events or things that like would never, the details would never line up exactly for somebody else. Right. So not even just like a breakup, but like, you know, this particular thing that this particular person <laughs> did on this day. Right, um, right. But what I noticed was when I played those songs for people in an audience that those were the songs that people connected with the most, even though hmm. they were the most specific to me. It sort of invited people to, I think, reciprocate that vulnerability or it, or maybe those songs allow me to convey something more vulnerable that then like resonates with people in a different way. It was surprising to me that the more specific I was in my songwriting, the more people seem to relate to it, which feels like it would be the opposite. Yeah, I've found that too. I think the temptation is, especially when when we're so desperate to find an audience, right? Yeah. The temptation is to write as, ge as generally as possible and, you know, assume that anyone could like project something onto it. You know, a film I made a few years ago is about like sort of family dynamics and um, overprotective moms. And I got so specific in terms of like these characters, the way they talked, how they were modeled after my family. They were like pretty specifically like Boston Jewish <laughs> characters. And yet when I showed it at film festivals, like, and, and I, it was, this film leaned really silly. Uh, but like when I showed it at film festivals, I had the deepest conversations with people about like their parents mm. and their family. Yeah, I used to write a lot more vaguely and uh, and sometimes I still do, but I find that those songs are less satisfying to write. Like mm. sometimes if I don't know what I'm writing about, it stays really vague. And then I finish the song and feel like, ah, it just doesn't have the impact that I want. Right, And right. I think that's because it's too vague and it doesn't have that like vulnerability to it. What's your interaction like with audiences in general? It's not like I'm, you know, constantly getting messages from people about my songs. Right. But I do have some <laughs> little communities, like obviously there's, you know, social media. And then um, I have my Ampled page, which is sort of like Patreon, where I post things that I wouldn't necessarily release into the world or that they're just early, early previews of them. Um, and so people, you know, will respond to things I post there, especially because they tend to be like on the more vulnerable side. <laughs> I love when people connect with some part of a song, whether, I mean, it's nice if people just enjoy the song and say, oh, that's, that was a cool rhythm or I like the, sa the sound of the keyboard you chose, you know, like stuff like that is always nice to hear just aesthetic things. I really appreciate when people take my song and then relate it to their life and then relay that back to me and say like, oh, I went through, I, I'm in a similar situation right now, or um, this reminds me of my grandmother, mm -hmm. you know, and she used to say this to me. I don't know, just little human moments that come out from people interacting with the art, which sounds like kind of what 
like your experience was sharing that that film about family dynamics at festivals, people would yeah. I don't know, just sort of open up to you. You would have conversations with the people that you wouldn't typically have with a stranger. Right. It almost it almost builds trust. I mean, maybe that comes back to the specificity thing is like if you're watching a piece of art, the more specific it is, I think the more honest it feels. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that for us as like audiences, we're like, oh, okay. They they told me their secrets, you know, I I can tell them them mine. Um, You definitely have a lot of like areas of self-promotion on social media. And I think like, and the ample page and newsletters and things like that. Um, Do you feel a lot of pressure to keep those going? Or is that a pretty natural process Mm, for you? I do feel a little bit of that voice of if I haven't posted in a while, (laughs) say like, oh, you should post on (sighs) thing so people remember you. (laughs) Um, But I feel like it should be fun. I kind of just try to have fun with it. Like, or try to post something and I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's not perfect. Like, it's okay. (laughs) You know, people for the most part will be scrolling pretty quickly through their feed. If they are interested, they'll take a look. If not, it's it's fine. How do you keep it fun? Like what, (laughs) do you have any advice? I'm asking advice now. (laughs) Well. Because I've been having trouble. I talked on another episode Something I was going, something else I was going through was like, I miss the community. I don't post a lot on social media anymore, and I miss the community. I miss the connections. Like, even I feel like I know you a little better just because we've probably interacted like three times on Instagram. Yeah. But like, I actually miss those those sort of acquaintances and other creative people that I connecting with. But I, I don't miss posting. Yeah, and I don't miss creating content to post. Yeah, and it is a it is a slippery slope or like I don't know what the right metaphor is analogy <laughs> like because it's not that it's not always real the interactor it can be very superficial right and then it also it's like I don't want to create content just for social media it's sort of like why am I making content yeah. for Meta <laughs> <laughs> right instead of like real people in in real life. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there is a community to it. So the challenge of being a musician on something, a platform like Instagram, for example, is it's very visual, but I like doing little drawings and stuff. I really like doing doodly things and little crafty stuff in a kind of haphazard way. And because it's not my main art, I feel a little less pressure about it because it doesn't, it's not... It's not my main thing. So I don't know. I feel like this is like, this is why it sucks for you, Alex. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm visual. So I should start writing songs for Yeah, Instagram. you should start writing little songs. No, I don't know. Um, That's tempting. <laughs> I think I think you kind of hit on something interesting. I mean, we were joking about me writing songs, but this idea of like the social media being the playful place. Mm-hmm. I definitely am still more comfortable posting like a stupid cooking picture or something than like when I have to post a project I've worked on. That's like a whole day that I'm putting together yeah. that post somehow. Like posting like a silly cooking picture. Like maybe that is more what you do on like if the goal, like what is the goal of social media? Like maybe it's for people to just get to know you as right. a person. And then when you post about your art, people are like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. So I want to ask about the new album. Uh, so this is your 
third album, right? After Gemini and Question Mark, or third that yeah, I know about? Yeah, the yeah. Second like full length thing. Mm. Although it only has nine songs, so I don't know. It's sort of like it's a short album. <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe a vague question, but it's maybe similar to like my vague question about like what's it like to write a song? <laughs> I'm fascinated by an album as an art form. My understanding is in the old days, like it had to do with like how much you could fit on like mm-hmm. a vinyl disc, but now it's this like open-ended thing of like, how do you know when an album is done? How do you know when a collection of songs are an album? Or are you approaching it as a whole and like filling in all these songs? Well, I think for this album, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be about at first. And then sometimes it's a little bit about like retroactively making it work. So this one started with the song Keeping You, because that was the first song that I'd written after Gemini that I felt like, oh, this feels like hmm. something that I would want to fully produce and put on an album. And I... I do think that it, it ended up being a good overarching theme for my music because a lot of my music is kind of rooted in nostalgia and like keeping keeping things <laughs> and like the balance of moving on but staying connected to the past. And I think a lot of the songs revolve around that, even if it's a little less concrete. Right. So... Yeah, I, I I think it did work out as a as a theme. I didn't know it was gonna work out as a theme. It sort of, and there were some songs that we we cut out um, that didn't seem to fit or just wasn't the right. What vibe. do you keep in mind when you're thinking of the order of an album? Like, what are mm. you thinking about? Partly, it's sonically what's going on. So I want to open with a song that feels, or in this case, I wanted to open with a song that felt like a good representation of the album. So I didn't want to start with a song that wasn't on piano or like a piano sound. As you're making the order, are you, is that a stressful thing? Is it fun? Is it both <laughs> to figure out the order? Like that feels like something I would overthink. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I definitely was in even like, so the title track is like keeping you and that was the first one. And then the second track is cinnamon. But I also in that song say like, keep, keep saying the same, same. Mm. And I was like, is that too many keepings? Are people going to be out of their mind with like the word keep? So I, yeah, I definitely was overthinking it. (laughs) But I think the album overall, the order worked out. And also I was like, it kind of doesn't matter. It does matter. It it matters a lot and it doesn't matter at all. (laughs) That could sum up so many decisions we all make in art. Yeah. Actually, I want to ask about Cinnamon because I know... um, that um first of all I, I love that song Thank and you. i know that's a song that was on question mark which is your album in 20 i want to say 2017 something like that a long time which ago is now. A, it's a year that doesn't sound like a long time ago <laughs> until you do the math but yeah i want to ask about cinnamon because it's it's a song that like um was you know you had in 2017 and then now on this new album um you have another version of it i'm curious like what is it about this song that prompted uh the new version well, first of all, um, I really I really like the EP that I worked on with Jeff, my friend Jeff Ong, who's an amazing mm-hmm. songwriter and producer. But I also was pretty new to recording and performing my songs when I made that album. So I kind of like listening back to it, which I don't do very often. 
I always feel like, oh, like I wish my vocal delivery was a little different or like, you know, God bless Jeff. I like didn't record to a <laughs> click. So, you know, it wasn't like the tempos were shifting and mm. uh, which just makes it harder than the producer. <laughs> Another, <laughs> you know, he was adding other instruments. So I was like, I feel like I could do a better version of this or like I'm not even better. I don't want to make a value judgment about it, but like a more up to date version of it that's like reflective of where I am now as a musician. Kind of using that as like a snapshot of your life at that point and your life and career at this point, right down to like where you recorded, how you recorded. I'm curious if you can compare like those different mm. places. Yeah, I mean, so like question mark EP was recorded in Jeff's apartment, um, very DIY. And then this newer one, like I recorded the piano at a studio on an acoustic piano, which is pretty fun. The vocals I did essentially at a home studio. I mean, this newer version is is more like studio-based stuff and mm -hmm. having the acoustic piano. It is interesting though, like the person I wrote the song about back then, which already, you know, I don't, it, it's like, I feel so removed from that whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a Lucy Dacus line. Um, it's like, in five years, I hope the songs feel like covers. Oh, cool. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun to feel that way. This song is not for my brain anymore. It's like for someone else who's going to listen to it. And maybe it's where they're at in their life right now. Um, many musicians and bands perform songs they wrote 30, 40 years ago. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't even imagine like what it's like for like Billy Joel <laughs> to like play Piano Man, you know? He's playing these songs and like they have to play the hits, right? Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. I know, how does he feel? Is he like, I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> I'm not the Piano Man anymore. Yeah. The first version of Cinnamon kind of sounded, maybe for lack of a better word, you said use the phrase DIY, but it sounded like it was maybe a scrappier time in your career, in your creative life. For me, I, I've found personally, and, and I'm curious if you relate, that like, the more like I move forward in my career, the more slowly like professional things get, right? More studio stuff, more technology, a little bit more of a budget on things. I sort of miss sometimes those old scrappier days of like recording things in bedrooms and collaborating with like good friends as kind of labors of love when we're all kind of just like trying to make it. As much as there's so much to gain from like the progress and, and the, you know, po more polished things, do you feel like you, you grieve anything from that time of like DIY-ness? Yeah, and, and actually like, I think my next project, which I'm trying not to even think about because I'm still putting out this album. Like, <laughs> Let me do this album and focus on that for a while. And then I'll <laughs> think about the next thing. But uh, I do have songs that I have written since I recorded this album. And like, hmm. I can envision doing them in a more DIY way, like making an, another thing that doesn't require as much, honestly, like, just financial backing <laughs> and yeah. like oh yeah and that maybe is a little bit less precious not i don't know how, that's not really the right word because mm. it will still be very precious to me <laughs> but like uh 
there is a pressure to like when you're in the studio and you're like, yeah, all right, this is like, you know, this is an expensive endeavor. Right. <laughs> um, even if there's funding for it, it's like I'm taking these people, this money from all different people and myself and like putting it into this big thing as opposed to just like being in your home and like working on something and tweaking it and coming back to it. There's kind of a pendulum swing for me because like I always want more. This isn't the right word or it's not. A, I don't want it to be the right word, but like more legitimacy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as a younger artist, I'm dreaming of like the times when I'm like working with, say, like bigger voice actors or dealing with studios or even just like I think I, I talked about it on another episode of like feeling like I'm in a DVD behind yeah. the scenes of like <laughs> a, an animated movie. And so like all this like more legitimacy. But then the more projects I do that are kind of in that world, I, I really like crave for the pendulum to swing back to just like, I just want to be drawing in my house and throwing together a film and like having my friends do the voices. And, and so I, I kind of am in a period of trying to do more projects like that too, where there's less accountability, which sometimes makes it harder to get it done, right. but also like, <laughs> more um yeah more like scrappiness or more just like back to my roots of like what it felt like when i was you know 14 making like a stupid movie with my brother you know yeah and i guess kind of back to what you were saying about social media like just trying to make it a little more playful not yeah. having as, as much of the like heaviness to it are there any sort of cultural narratives or narratives you hear from friends and family about being an indie musician or an indie songwriter that you feel like you either want to push against or or wish people didn't believe them as much? So thankfully, my family is super supportive of my artistic choices, which I feel like a lot of families would be like, why don't you have a typical career right. that's stable? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> my family has been very supportive. And a lot of my, like my brother is a chef and a lot of my cousins are in artistic um jobs. And so um, in that way, I feel very fortunate. Um, but I, I think that in general, uh, a lot of people, sorry, I'm going to try to make really sweeping statements. Please, we love that here on this <laughs> I podcast think... <laughs> that I haven't named. <laughs> sweeping statements. Oh, that's um, actually pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, it's go a off. house cleaning con. It's a house cleaning podcast. Ooh, um, love it. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Okay, back on track. You can edit out the bad joke. Uh, I definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. It used to be back in the day, you know, you would get a record deal and make your album and get on the charts. Yeah. And now for better and for worse, like it's such a saturated market. Everyone can put out music. Streaming platforms are really empowering and also like horrible for artists, like monetary money wise. Like yeah. you make no money from streaming. Um, everything's what? like free. So I guess, uh, yeah, I think there's just like this imbalance in the value of art um and also uh, in some ways like being an artist is at odds with capitalism mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean there obviously are ways of being an artist that are really successful financially and like function in the system but 
a lot of, I think what is important about art doesn't fit in with capitalism of like the hustle and like making everything marketable and not every type of art is going to be super financially viable. Um, and it's still really important. So I, I don't know. I think that artists can, you can be a full-time artist and that's awesome. And you can be a part-time artist and that's still really like valuable. And you can just be like a hobbyist artist. And that's also like, you're still an artist. Right. I think people have a lot of visions of like what it means to be a successful artist, but there isn't just one definition. I'll, I'll jump into our lightning round. These are the questions I've been asking everyone. Okay. What is something you learned the hard way that you're glad you learned the hard way? I didn't mind learning this a little bit. The hard way was like, I used to have a ton of stage fright and never performed. Like I went to school and studied music and like didn't perform and wasn't involved in a lot of stuff there musically. And then it was only after I moved to Boston and started playing out a little more because I was like, if I want to play music, I kind of need to do this. Like, can't can't hide away anymore behind <laughs> academia. Right. Um, I don't know. I just kind of learned, like, it doesn't, that songwriting and performing doesn't have to be something that's self-centered all the time, even though, yes, I am writing songs about myself. <laughs> and, like, I'm on stage, <laughs> right. literally in, like, a spotlight. But, like, it is, a, it's a collective experience. I'm sharing something with other people. I'm sharing a story and like inviting them to relate it to their own lives. And it doesn't have to be, um, it's not, it's not all about you and it shouldn't be all like if you're making art, it should be about the community and that helped me get over my stage. Right. So. And then what is something you learn the hard way, but you would be happy for other people if they just learned it the easy way. There is this idea that like, you know, and I think a lot of art does come from times when you're like in darkness, right? Like your mm. depression and your anxiety and your like, your like mental struggles or your, yeah. you know, your life is like not going as it should be. And I, those times are really important. But um, I think like one thing I realized as an artist was, oh, like when I'm not depressed, my art is way better and I feel much better about it. And everything is just, a million times better (laughs) and like it's important to take care of your mind and body as an artist and it makes a huge difference and like you don't have to be this like brooding artist you can be a happy artist that then like writes about hard stuff and doesn't yeah get sad about it at the moment (laughs) (laughs) i want people to learn that the easy way i want them to like address their mental and physical health as soon as possible and yeah. with, the, with great ease. <laughs> um, all right, last lightning round question. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with music or songwriting? Wow. So I'm going to caveat this by saying like, as a Gemini, <laughs> um, very indecisive. Like, I don't really have favorite thing. Well, like, so I do love moving around outside, whether that's like, going for a beautiful hike somewhere or even a not so beautiful hike somewhere, just like being outside in nature and moving through the world physically, like that brings me a lot of joy. Um, I am a very sociable person. So like I love chatting with 
friends and family, like definitely someone who enjoys like phone calls or just like writing little letters or anything that I can do that feels like I'm connecting with people that I care about. That's like what brings me a lot of joy. And obviously like sometimes it is through music, but for the most part, I'm talking about just like, just like calling up a friend and seeing how they're doing. We're kind of, we're kind of through the lightning round. Um, I I don't know if this will end it or not, but I kind of wanted to just include this somewhere and I didn't know where to put it. I just wanted to tell you like where I was when I discovered your music in life. Hmm. Like, yeah, I'd love to know that. I discovered your music just by seeing you play with Joanna, um, who was a friend of mine. So that was uh, probably around 2017. And so at that moment, um, I had just gotten out of like a 10 year relationship or almost 10 years. And one of the weird side effects of being in a relationship that long that I experienced was like going back from like a we to a me. Like Mm. there were all these things that like, not that there weren't things that just I liked during, during my entire 20s, but like, there are all these things that we liked and now I'm just a me. And I had to ask myself, what do I like? Who am I alone? And it was around that time when I first saw you. And then like after that, I, I just liked your music. So I was listening to it so much. You kind of just became in my regular rotation. And this maybe is like over oversimplifying the memory, but I sort of remember you as one of the first artists that became like my taste in music. You know, hmm. I... I was with someone from age 22 to like 31. So that's a time when I was developing my taste in music alongside a partner, which is fun as well. But yeah. it really, um, I don't know, there's something that that's like a just a, a special place that your music occupies in my memory. So yeah, I guess thank you. It's, it's yeah, sort of that. It's no, really cool to hear. That's, that's fascinating. And like, yeah, I'm glad I could be the super underground artist that <laughs> that you discovered. <laughs> um, that is in that, that, yeah, it sounds like a, a great untangling of the self that mm. had, you had to do. Just so that wording. That's why you're a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then last but not least, if um, people who have just heard me rave about your music a bunch want to listen to it or follow your playful social media posts, um, where are the different places that they can find you and support you? Sure. So Julia Mark Music is basically my handle in all the places. Um, Julia, uh, like the Beatles song and Mark, M-A-R-K, like question mark. And then music, like what I do. And uh, yeah, juliamarkmusic.com. I guess that kind of sums it up. At Julia Mark Music. That'll link you to wherever. Also, like on, I I don't have a stage name, so <laughs> it's just me. If you just type in my name somewhere, my music will come up. And if you want to know something embarrassing about me, I did not put it together that the album name or EP name question mark related to your name until this That's moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. I mean, yeah. It. Yeah. I don't know. That's you're, like, fine. you're like, and you call no yourself a Julia Mark fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. I'm so glad I could share it with you. Please rate and review and subscribe and all that helpful stuff. And even more so, please tell your friends about this and share it on social media. So many of you have already been doing that. And it really means the world to me. Every time that I see someone share it, it kind of makes my day. 
It really just makes me feel like this is worth it. Also, thank you so much to those of you who have sent me nice messages or come up to me in person to tell me how much they liked the podcast or how much they responded to something in the podcast. That is so meaningful. So if you really like an episode or related to something or want to talk about something or bring something up that this podcast made you think of, don't feel like you're going to be bothering me. I'm very reachable. You can reach me on Instagram at Lex Salzberg or at I loved this conversation or email I loved this conversation at gmail.com. Thank you to Adam Salzberg, my brother, for mixing the audio and getting it to your ears. The theme song is by Typist, which is Adam's solo music project. Also, thank you to Alexander Boti, who gave me a lot of advice about recording on Zoom and podcasts in general. So I think this is a good time to thank her since this was a Zoom app. Now, before we go, as a special treat, we're going to end on a little preview of the title track, Keeping You, from Julia Mark's Keeping You album, out this Friday, September 23rd, on Bandcamp and streaming. Bye, and enjoy. Please excuse the mess that is my room, that is my heart. I am a very keeping person. Hold on to what I held on at the start. Photographs and magazines and notes written on old receipts. I will not let you recede from my view. I'm keeping you.